It really is a privilege to again be with you as we initiate our fifth session. Boy, I tell you, time flies. I tell you, we're going to pick up just where we left off in our last session. I tell you, the glory of God came in such a magnificent fashion. I want to continue in that vein. Glory to God. We talked about ultra intimacy in our last session. And uh, in this session, it's entitled Koinonia. Koinonia is a Greek word, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. It means uh, tremendous intimacy. So it goes in line with our last session, ultra intimacy. It means communion, fellowship with God himself. And uh, just, just, oh, glory to God. We have fellowship, glory to God, with with the Father, uh, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, glory to God. And First John, the Bible says, you know, we have fellowship, you know, w- with Jesus. Uh, in Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen, let me read it. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion, the koinonia of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, that's just not an ending to a book. That is life. Glory to God. Ooh, communion, koinonia. With God, with the Spirit of God. In Philippians 2.1, it shares of the, the basics of the faith. And in, in, in intrinsic to this, it shares again of, of koinonia with the Holy Spirit. It says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any koinonia of the Holy Spirit, glory to God, if any mercy in Christ, you know, fulfill you my joy and be like-minded. The Apostle Paul is giving the basics of the faith, the love of God, the mercy of God. And intrinsic to this foundation is koinonia with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Oh, man, that word is just just amazing in all it entails, koinonia. All right. Now, as we enter in to uh, looking at how we can pragmatically enter in to being filled with God. And the Bible says we're filled with God through the love of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, let's go there. Glory to Jesus. We've been talking a lot about the heart of the Father. Well, God is love, 1 John 4, 8. So the heart of the Father is love. And it says to know the love of God. Mm, Be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of his love. To know the love of God that passes knowledge. Oh, glory to God. Ooh, hallelujah. So that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. So we enter into being filled with the fullness of God through entering into experience the love of God. Glory to God. Very simplistic, but so, so powerful. Glory to Jesus. I want to share a simple statement. It's to me, it's the basis of our intimacy with God. And you see, we're talking about praying through God's heart. So when we're talking about intimacy, We're talking about oneness with God's heart, knowing what's inside the heart of God and knowing as a joint heir with Christ, glory to God, that the heart of God is our inheritance. It's not under lock and key. It is openly accessible, glory to God, easy to partake of. And oh man, it's, oh, I tell you, this teaching is going to, amen, it's going to take us higher, glory to God. But this simple expression says this, to the degree that you enter into intimacy with God is to the degree that you will live. To the degree that you enter into intimacy with God is to the degree that you will live. Glory to God. 
We're called to be alive unto him. Glory to God. But we're alive through intimacy, not through religious activity, not through uh, our own works, not through uh, the pride of our own works like Cain who brought a sacrifice of his hands as opposed to Abel who brought a sacrifice of blood. Man, it's, it's all about the gospel. And the gospel is rooted in the sacrifice of Jesus unto the reality of us experiencing the heart of God, the king of the kingdom. All right. Glory to God. Now, I want to say one more thing. Well, two more things to preface um, the specifics of how we enter in to experientially man uh, entering into the name, entering into the heart of God. And one is this. The Bible says the faith in Hebrews 11.1 1, is the substance of things hoped for. You cannot have faith beyond what you have hope for. For example, if I don't have hope of having extreme intimacy with God, I can't have faith for it. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, it's like having a, a glass. If I have just a little glass, you know what? Well, I can't put, you know, a gallon of water into it. Man, I have to, the larger the glass, you know, the, the, the higher the degree of my hope, the more I can enter into faith. And you see, so often we do not have the hope of glory intrinsic to the person of Jesus Christ and the glory that he experienced on the earth 2,000 years ago because we minimize the scriptures. We, and, and we let the enemy come in. And we all have done this, believe me, including myself. And, and, you know, we say, man, I'm so excited about Jesus. You know, I, I'm going to walk in safety. I'm going to walk in healing. I'm going to walk in wholeness. And, man, and then, you know, our car gets hit by a deer. You know what I'm saying? We run into a deer. And it's like, man, where's the Satan? The devil's right there. Well, where's your safety at? Where's that part of God? We have to say, you know what? It's there as much as it ever was before. Glory to God, I'm just going to enter in now to a greater degree than ever before. And I'm going to tell you this, oh, glory to God, I, I, I believe. I believe stronger now than before that, de that deer hit my car. Glory to God. Now I'm speaking from western Pennsylvania where we have a lot of deer. And I tell you, I, you can hit a deer with your car. But you see, someone's lost. Man, maybe you lost your father when you were young. Man, that's hurtful. But, but see, and then your soul is saying, you know what? This whole idea of having hope for such intimacy with God and, uh, oh man, the, the glory of God that, that Jesus experienced. I mean, you got to be kidding me. You, you know, just believe that you're not going to, you know, get wrecked like he did and, and die of a heart attack at, at the age he did. You know, just tread water because you don't know what, who could be next. You can know. You can't know. I'll be honest with you, my, my daughter, one of my daughters went to Sunday school with a denominational church with a friend of hers, and uh, her friend, uh, her dad was a pastor, and they, they, she brought home a magazine from, from the church, and, and, and the people there love God, they're good people, but man, and the front of the magazine said, you could be next, you, and I thought, wow, maybe you could be in line for blessing, and I read it and said, as a teenager, you could be next to die in a car crash. You know, that church was small, but they had more people, teenagers, die in car crashes than any other church in our area. You see, rather than having a hope of glory, of safety, that they bought into the lie 
the, of curse. We need to understand this. God is a good God. Jesus was not going to ever be hit by a chariot. You understand? And someone says, well, what happens if, you know, I have this fear? What happens if, man, I did get hit by a car? What happens if someone I know? I'm, I'm here to tell you this. My eyes are on Jesus. It's not, a, uh, it's not about what I experienced. I experienced a lot of hell growing up with a mother with spinal bifida. It's not what I experienced it's not what somebody else experienced. It's what the Bible says. And I'm going to enter into a place where I'm going to enter into dominion over the devil, the curse, and the world. I'm going to enter into full dominion so I can be fully free. See, that's the hope of glory. Again, religion minimizes the hope, which then minimizes faith. No. We have the same hope in us to experience the very glory of God the way Jesus experienced because the one who experiences in us giving the same hope. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, man, that's what it's about. You know, talking talk about hope, I was, uh, Charles Caps. he's going to be with the Lord, but he gave an experience. He was with a young pastor. I believe his name was Happy Caldwell. And uh, they were fishing. And I don't know much about fishing, to be honest with you. My grandson knows about everything about fishing, but I, I know very little. But he said, you know, the lure that, you know, the fish would be attracted to uh, somehow took uh, this young pastor's lure. And he said, oh, man, it was my favorite lure. And Charles Kemp says, well, let's just tell the enemy, let's tell that fish to give that lure back. Then that young pastor said, this guy is crazy. He didn't have a hope, all right, of this glory of the fish giving it back. Well, they were fishing for about an hour and a half. And then this fish jumps in the boat with his lure in his mouth. And Charles says, well, take it out of his mouth. It's yours. He took God out of his mouth. He said, I, I can't believe that. Well, <laughs> glory to God. Well, he could tell it wasn't his faith. He couldn't believe it. But you know what? See, it helped him enter into a greater hope for the miraculous. Now, that was something really simple. But, you know, a lot of the things that Jesus did, he didn't have to do it. Man, when he fed the, the really, it was the 15,000, there's 5,000 men, always more women than men, and there was a lot of kids there. They, they got the, the fish and the loaves from a little boy. So there's probably about 15,000 people there. And it says that they could all have gone into the surrounding villages to eat. So why did Jesus do that? Why did he multiply the bread when he didn't want to? Or when they didn't need to? He multiplied the bread because he wanted to. He multiplied the bread because it was in his heart to do so as a father. Glory to God. He wanted to bring them into the realm of faith the realm of intimacy that he had with the Father. Wow. I'm going to say this again. He discipled the apostles and the 70 and, and, and the others in a way that his main objective was to bring them into the realm that he and the Father and the Spirit of God were in. Glory to Jesus. Oh, man, glory to God. There's so much on my heart right now. It's hard for me to, I wasn't going to get into all this, but I need to do it. I need to do it. Because, again, I can share these things with you, but if you don't really see the foundation of it, you're not going to enter into it. Go with me to Psalm 8. And while you're turning there, i got to say it one more time. Jesus discipled the apostles and those that were submitted to his ministry 
with the focal point being he wanted them to enter in to the realm that he was in. No, not as God to make them little gods, but to cause them to enter into the intimacy that he was going to die to give them. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, glory to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. There's, there's just so much here. So, so much here. In Psalm 8, it's an amazing psalm. David's looking around. He sees the glory of, of creation. And, and man, he, he says, man, when verse 3, Psalm 8, 3, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars and the universe, man, what am I that thou art even mindful of me? You know, and God responds by saying, I made you a little lower than myself, Elohim. Some translations say angels. That word is Elohim. I, I, you know, I, it's, you know, Derek Prince has such good teaching on this as a Hebraist and a scholar, Hebrew scholar. You know, it's the word Elohim. It's always translated this way. I made you a little lower than myself. He's talking relationally now. Again, not a little lower in context of being omnipresent, omniscient. You know what I'm saying? You know, omnipotent. And I've crowned you. Now listen to me. We, we spent the whole last session talking about glory. The entering in. The seeing the glory of God. See, when you see the glory of God, that, was, that gives you hope. Hallelujah. To enter in the faith. To enter, to partake of the glory. He said, I've crowned you with glory and honor. Someone says the very idea of saying that God honors me. Well, intrinsic to that word honor is delight. How can God say, it says in Psalm 91 as well, I will honor you with long life and salvation. Why does God honor you? Because you're made in his image. If he didn't honor you, he would be dishonoring himself. He crowns you. With glory and delight. You're a king, Hebrew, uh, Romans 5, 17. Revelations 1, 6. Kings and priests unto him, Revelations 1, 6. Romans 5, 17, the role in this life is a king. He's the king of kings. And he's given you. He's crowned you with glory, delight, honor, and dominion. Oh, this is echo, glory to God in Hebrews chapter 2. Oh, Jesus. You see, I know it's amazing. I know it's, it's so amazing. It's infinitely amazing. And it's like, well, how can I believe this when man, I see so much harm around me? When, when I see even in the church, you know, people just saying, you know what? I, I don't know, who, you know if I'm going to be next and get hit by a car. I believe I'm just a worm. We've got to let Jesus cause the hope of glory to reign in us and to experiencing the glory that we hope for by faith. Glory to God. All right. The next thing I, I need to share uh, uh, the preface uh, these specifics with again is John 6 57. Jesus said even as I eat of the Father and live so he eat, who eats of me will live likewise. Now the, uh, uh, in John 6, his disciples uh, thought that he was thinking of being a cannibal. They said, who could receive this saying? Well, he clarifies it in John 6, 63, saying, I'm, I'm not talking to you about eating. I mean, my, you know, he's saying, my words are spirit. 
in truth. I'm talking about partaking of my heart. It's amazing. A lot of his disciples, in fact, the, the Bible says that most of his disciples walked away from Jesus at the same. I want to tell you something. More people walk away from this teaching because when you of eating and partaking of him because they, they don't understand it spiritually discerned. It's like I, the people think I'm crazy partaking of Jesus, eating of Jesus. And they walk away today just like they walked away then because they think it's too much for them. It, it's, it, you know, it's, it's ultra intimacy. It's just too good to be true. It can't be. But I'm here to tell you this. I'm not walking away from it. I'm diving into it. I'm going to be immersed into it. This is what I'm teaching. Glory to God. This is what I'm preaching. This is what I'm conveying to you. This is what the heart of God is manifesting to you. And I applaud you and I encourage you to jump in. Glory to God. It's not time to run away from it. It's time to dive in. Glory to God. All right. So how do we eat of it? What do we eat of? Well, remember, we looked at in John 17, 11, Jesus said, Father, keep them in thy name that they might be one with us. And we said the name represents the glory of God. Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. God said, I will manifest my name. The name of mercy. The name of grace. The name of love. And we said the name manifested is glorification. It's the, the glory of God being experienced. Again, we're not talking about glorification in the context of worship. That, that, when we glorify God, says, whosoever offers praise glorifieth me. That's talking about worship. Obviously, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about glorification in the context where God says, I will glorify the house of my glory in the book of Isaiah. We're talking about entering in to his name manifested in us. Glory to God. All right. Every time someone gets healed, it's the name manifested. And we shared this, but I got to say it again. The way to intimacy is the name manifested. The glory manifested. Man, when that, the virtue of God, the glory of God went into that woman with the issue of blood. You know what happened? She entered into the oneness that only that experience could have brought. Glory to God. All right. Ephesians 5.18 says that be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Philippians 3.10 says, Paul says, I've given up everything that I might know him intimately. Experience the very power of his resurrection. And then be a fellowship of his sufferings. That's not talking about sickness and disease or accidents. It's talking about entering into a burden for souls to fulfill the job description of Luke 4. Binding up, preaching the gospel to the poor. Binding up the brokenhearted. Oh my, deliverance to the captives. Physical wholeness being administered through you. Which we're going to talk about in our last session. All right. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. All right. One more thing I have to say. Oh, glory to God. I know I said that twice before, didn't I? One more thing. Well, you have to understand I'm, I'm a teacher. So one more thing. You always get more than you ask for, right? One more thing. God has a need to express himself. You know, on our last session, I shared that one of the most intimate things I've ever heard, I, I heard of very recently. The Lord came to me in a very awesome way. And he said, Michael, 
He said, thank you for letting me love you. And I thought, I heard him wrong. I said, no, Lord, thank, I want to thank you for many, letting me love you. And that, of course, is true. But he said, thank you for letting me love you. And he went on to say that so many people, through unworthiness, through not being in the word and, getting, and obtaining faith, through just being lukewarm, he's unable to express his love. These vehicles I'm going to share with you, they are vehicles of letting God express his heart to you. Okay? Now, what you have to understand, God is spirit. And all of these vehicles are spirit. Anything that God does is so you can commune with him, koinonia, spirit to spirit. Glory to God. So let's look at the first. One of his names is spirit of revelation. Spirit of revelation. See, when you enter in to seeing that God Almighty will minister his word to you, just like he did to Jesus, that's when you get excited, and that's when now you're opening up yourself to experience. Someone says the very idea, saying that the Holy Spirit is going to give you revelation of the Word of God just like he did to Jesus. First of all, did Jesus need the revelation? Yes, because he divested himself of his deity, and he had to enter in the intimacy with the Father just like you and I, and it was primarily through revelation, first and foremost. You see, Romans 8, 29, let's go there, glory to God. I tell you what, I got so much in my spirit, I, I literally could preach for hours. I mean, literally, 8, 10 hours on this. We only have one hour, but we're going to see what we can get done. Glory to God. And Romans 8, you know, a, a lot of people share in, in a good way, Romans 8, 28, that God will cause, you know, all things to work together for good to those who love him. And, and that, that's a great scripture. But I want to hear something the equally awesome scripture is Romans 8, 29 to 30, which I mean, it floats my boat. It says, oh, glory to God, glory to God. To whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. That just means he's given everyone a destiny to be conformed to the image of his son. That we might, he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Whoa. How come you don't hear that preach? Because it sounds too much. Your primary destiny is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Glory to God. And it says, in whom he did predestinate, he called. And whom he called, he justified. Now listen to this. And whom he justified, he also glorified. Woo, did you ever read that? See, 2 Peter 1.3 says we're called by the glory of God. That's what I, I wanted. To, I, I have relationship with Jesus because of the glory of his love, because the glory of his preciousness, the glory of his magnificence. I, I, I didn't come to Jesus to escape hell. I came to Jesus to get Jesus. And it says glory to God that, that we've been called by glory into glory. So just as God's given you destiny, just as he's called you, just as he's made you, oh, glory, just through his blood, he's justified you. He has made a way for you to experience the glory of God. Whew, hallelujah. So the spirit of revelation, so how can you be conformed to the image of Jesus if you can, don't enter into the revelation that was given to Jesus? Glory to God. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Man, I didn't just share a few things that God's given me a, a revelation on recently. You know, all of us, I think, have tr struggled at times with faith. And different times, you know, the, the devil says, you don't have enough faith, and this, this, and that. And you didn't do enough to get the faith. And what You know, I was reading 1 John 3, 8, and it says, you know what? Jesus destroyed every work of the devil. That includes unbelief. And he replaced the works of the devil with his own DNA. With the very faith of God. I got so excited I started to run around the room. Glory to God. And he took me to 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that's in me. Whoo, he's the spirit of faith. Than he that's in the world. Then I went to 1 John 5, 3. and said his commandments are not difficult to keep. One of his commandments is to have faith. Well, if it's not difficult to keep, then why was I struggling to keep it? And then it says, because of this, because whatever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is what's been born of God, even your faith. My faith is born of God. Glory to God. And belief's not in my DNA. Dismay's not in my DNA. Doubt's not in my DNA. The faith of God's in my DNA. Man, I began to see that. Glory to God. And said, all I got to do is let the Holy Ghost cultivate that which is already in me by me just getting in the Word of God, letting Him do His thing because He's the author and perfecter of my faith. Woo, I started getting so excited. Glory to Jesus. Woo, let me give you another revelation. I could, I could stay here honestly to the, my Lord Jesus for a week. Man, I, I was, I was, you know, meditating on Passover where, you know, they, they put the blood over the doorpost representing the blood of Jesus and a death angel passed over them and how the blood glory to God has, you know, cleansed me from my sin. The blood, the blood has caused me to have a brand new nature. Glory to God. And but then I began to read that they didn't know, just put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, that they, they, they ate of the lamb. Glory to God. They ate of the lamb. And you can listen to me. I, I know this is all serious. I'll, I'll give you something a little funny, but it's true. I'm watching this cooking show. That This lady, she reminds me of my grandmother, who used to have an Italian restaurant in East Pittsburgh. Her name's Lydia, Lydia's Kitchen. And she said, and all the old things, she's talking about eating of the lamb. She said, there's this lamb in a certain part of Italy. She said, and you you know what? She said, man, what gets in the lamb, what he eats gets in you when you eat it. I started to shout. I said, I've eaten of the lamb. I said, I've eaten of the lamb. I started to shout. I, and my wife said, my God, my God, who are you watching? You know, who's on TV? What evangelist? I said, it's Lydia's kitchen. She said, oh, Lord Jesus. She went downstairs and I just started to shout, I'm eating of the lamb. Glory to God. That's what the spirit of revelation does. Man, the Bible says in Psalm 105, 37, they eat of the lamb and everybody that was sick was healed. Everybody that was crippled walked. Everybody that was blind sell. Glory to God. The greatest healing manifestation the world's ever known. Jesus. Psalm 8. Isaiah 53, 4. You know, he's borne my griefs and my sorrows. Man, my unfulfilled desire, my sicknesses, my diseases. Oh, glory to God. I could go on and on and on. But you see, seeing in Ephesians 1, 17, 16 and 17, that he will open up the eyes of your understanding. He will open up the mind of your spirit through revelation. Glory to God, just like he gave to Peter. And, and Jesus said, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. The Holy Ghost. See, we see it. 
but then we enter into it experientially. Glory to God. And what's it do to you? Become crazy like me. Glory to God. What's it do to you? Woo, glory to God. We walk by revelation. That's how faith comes. Jesus said, man, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Why? Because of the rock of revelation. All right. That's just one name. Man, I could go through 50 names. I'm just giving you a few right now. Glory to God. See, this is intimacy. This is how we partake of the heart of God. See, it's inside the heart of the Father to reveal unto you his heart through his word. And he has a legal right to do it through the blood of his Son by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Revelation. Glory to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to tell you something. It's not just quoting the verse. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first heard that, you know, healing was part of the Christian walk, I had a hard time with it. You have to understand. I, I, I lived under, watching my, for, for, you know, before I got saved for, nine, for 18 years of seeing my mother in horrendous pain and convulsions and having to change. We didn't have a nurse, an ileostomy and colostomy every day. And just, I mean, I went through hell. And now, well, healings of God, first I, I, had, I, I used to fight against it because that was the only solace I had that, you know, that God wanted that. But then God told me, you're going to put the testimony of your mother above my word or my word above what you saw her go through. But it wasn't easy. See, in Isaiah 40, it's talking about John the Baptist making a way for Jesus, but it's also applicable to you and I as a Christian. Man, he said he's going to lift up the valleys. That means unworthiness. Man, where you've been put down and degraded and bullied. Maybe most of your life. He's going to lift that up and make you see that you're second to none. And you that are prideful, and when I get into pride, he's going to bust that down. So we're humble. Man, if Jesus was humble, do you think we should be? But I think the hardest thing is it says that then the rocky places. Man, we all have rocky places. We have things in our soul that, man, why'd that happen to me? How, how come I let that happen? We have things in our soul, solical fractures that need to be mended before we can believe. So we need our soul washed of uh, uh, horrible experiences that, that would impede our faith. This is what Jesus does as the author and perfecter of our faith. Crooked things, things that we were taught through religiosity, that you're just the worm, that, you know, you're the Romans 7 man rather than the Romans 8 man. The things you want to do, you'll never be able to do. The things you don't want to do, you're always going to end up doing. Isn't that good news? That's the person that's under the law that's not born again. But it's taught us so that's a believer. Oh, my gosh, Lord Jesus, forgive us. But a lot of good people believe that, good people. And good pastors even preach it and teach it. We, we, we've got, again, you know, it, it took me a long time to get over what I went through with my mom. But Jesus cleansed me of those memories. He, he cleansed me. He, he mended my, the fractured soul, my broken heart. I, I, there's somebody, I, I was uh, 
thinking of, uh, I believe it's Kenneth Hagin, and, and people say he's the father of faith, the modern day faith, like Smith Worldsworth was. And he said, you know what? I had faith for healing because I was healed in a miraculous way. But he said, I, I, he always he struggled with deliverance for years because he said time after time after nine, time growing up, he had to take a butcher knife from his mother trying to kill herself. Well, thank God she got delivered, but man, it affected him. He didn't have anything to do with that stuff with demons, but God perfected his faith. I, I, I need to tell you something. The issues that you have, Bring them to Jesus. If you don't bring your issues to Jesus, they will find you out. Your sin will find you out. But, but unresolved issues where you don't have closure, it will find you out. Man, I, I was with a young man. We had a Bible study, and his mother had died his junior year and, and high school, and he never grieved. He's like, I, you know, I'm over it. I'm a Christian, but then he went into rebellion. Uh, uh, he got saved, and he was under a ministry, and I knew something still wasn't right, and we had a special meeting, and, you know, uh, a guest minister was there, and uh, we started to minister to him, and I never heard anybody weep like he wept. He had never grieved. He had never gotten closure over the death of his mom. He was a changed person. Bring your issues to Jesus. Get closure through Jesus. It's not your fault things happen 99% of the time. But they did happen. And you need to be washed. There's so much here. Mm. The voice of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, Jesus, again, is Yahweh Shema. He has such a desire to manifest himself to you, to manifest his glory, the glory of his voice. Oh, man. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God, help us. Man, the voice of God is amazing. It's amazing when he says to you, I love you. There's nothing like his voice. I, I remember my dad was a tough guy. He loved me, but he didn't express his love because he's just a tough guy. About five foot eight. Weighed about 250, sergeant in, in Korea, in, in the army, in Korean War when he's 18. Tough guy. Good guy. And i never forget, my mom was dying. She's been given the last rites by a priest. Who, we're, we're Catholic. And we're driving to the hospital. He said, son, first time I ever saw him weep. He said, doesn't look like your mom's going to make it. He said, son, you're all I have. I remember those words to this day. You are all I have. I needed to hear those words. I, I needed to hear his voice. Glory to God. Thankfully, she didn't die then. And uh, glory to God, she lived, and I was able to lead her to Jesus. Lead my dad to Jesus as well, praise God. His voice. It's not just for direction. It's for him to speak intimacies to you. That, that, let him hear. You have ears of your spirit to hear him speak who he is to you, what you mean to him. Man, you're the apple of his eye. The apple is the Hebrew word ishan. And in the Old Testament, it means retina. You're the retina of his eye. When you hurt, he hurts. Man, when you get a scratched retina, a detached retina, it brings incredible pain. You're the retina of his eye. Oh, Jesus. There's so much I want to enter into. Uh, go, go, go back with me. To the Luke chapter 9. Glory to God. We're going to talk about transfiguration. Now, Luke chapter 9, 
Transfiguration is, is amazing. Now what you have to understand, the word transformation that you read about in Romans 12, where it says, be not conformed to the image of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed, transformation, is from the Greek word metamorpho. When you read the word transfigured, glory to God, and Luke chapter 9, hallelujah, oh, glory to God. It's the same word, metamorpho. It depends on the context how it's translated. Then when you read the word translation, glory to God, how, how you know, where, man, we get in the spirit, glory to God, we, we enter into intimacy with God, Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, man. We enter into intimacy with God. We're, it's like, man, we're, we're just, mm, it's awesome. Again, all the Greek word metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis from. You know, the caterpillar changing into a butterfly. I, I think a lot of Christians, man, are still in a caterpillar form and they're wondering why they can't fly. Man, because you need to get in the secret place. Man, in that cocoon, it's dark, you're by yourself. But man, that, that's where things happen. Glory to God. That's where transformation takes place. Transformation takes place through the word of God. Ah, oh, transfiguration takes place through the presence of God. Translation takes place through worshiping God, which we're going to look into. Glory to God. You know, and the Amplified, oh, glory to God. One of the translations of 2 Corinthians 3.18, I love it so much much glory to Jesus 2nd Corinthians 3 18 you can tell my excitement how can you not be excited when you're talking about uh, intimacy and koinonia oh see we're talking about koinonia how to enter into koinonia experientially with God and 2nd Corinthians 3 18 it says that uh let's start with verse 17 now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty there is freedom but we all with open face Beholding in the word of God, the glory of the Lord, are transfigured as we behold as in a mirror the word of God, being changed into that very same image from glory to glory. What have we been talking about? Glory. Here it, it talks about three times in one verse. Beholding the glory of God through his word. Being changed from glory to glory. If that's not amazing, I, 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 oh my gosh, to get your feet a dancing and you to worship Jesus, what will be? Transfigured. Through continually looking into the word of God. Transformed. Translated your spirit, just taken over your soul. When you're trans, man, later it's like your spirit is just in complete dominion of your mind and your emotions. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's look at Luke 9 and see why. See, it's not just looking at the facts. It's seeing why they're there. Why did Jesus take these men, Peter, James, and John, to be transfigured before them? What was his purpose? Mm. Well, his purpose is, is stated plainly in both Matthew 17 Mark 9 and Luke 9. For time's sake, we're just looking at Luke 9 at this time. Luke 9, 27. But I tell you the truth, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death until they see the kingdom of God. He's giving them a glimpse. They're not born again yet. So he's giving them a glimpse of what the glory of God entails, what the kingdom entails. 
Why is he showing it to them? So they can enter into it. And it came to pass that after he said this, he took Peter, John, and James up into a mountain to pray. And they saw him transfigured. I mean, they saw the glory. They saw Jesus being glorified through the presence. Now, someone says the very idea of thinking that the presence of God is going to come on you in a strong way. Well, you, the presence of God can't even come on you because you're such a worm. My friend, this is the kingdom. We hear a lot of teaching about the kingdom, and rightly so. In fact, the gospel isn't about the kingdom. The gospel is the kingdom. I'm going to tell you something. When you get to heaven, the Bible says there's not going to be any sun because the, the glory of the presence of God, it will fill all of heaven. And you're, you're going to look into the eyes of Jesus when you're in heaven. And you're going to be lit up like a Christmas tree, like the noonday sun, but it's going to be brighter because he's going to be replacing the sun. Can I tell you something? Why can you believe that in heaven, the presence of God is going to be administered to you in an amazing way. And then you read that the kingdom of heaven has come. And Jesus is showing you the kingdom so you can enter into it and not believe that you are ordained daily to experience the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God in an amazing way. I'm going to tell you something. I love to worship. I love to worship. I have a hope of glory when I worship. See, here's the key. A hope of glory when I enter into the word. That I'm going to enter in. To knowing that I know that I know the heart of God. Oh man, when I enter into presenting my issues and my weaknesses. That Jesus is going to deliver me from them by his power. The hope of glory. When I enter into his presence, believing that the Shekinah, Shekinah just means heavy. I mean weighty glory. I mean a tangible glory. It's going to come. Why is it so hard to believe? Here's the most exciting thing. Remember I said, I said this, I keep saying it because it's affected me so much. When the Lord came to me recently and said, Michael, thank you for letting me love you. I think he wants to say, put your name in there. Thank you for letting me reveal my glory to you. Through, this, through my name, the spirit of revelation. My name is author and perfecter of your faith. My name is Yahweh Shema, the God who manifests my presence, his presence, who manifests his voice. Glory to God. In John 4, 23 and 24, here's what's amazing. Well, let's go there. I, I, I know it and quote it, but I, I just love to read it. John 4, 23 and 24. Oh, Jesus, help us. It's so good. It says the hour comes and it's, and it's now. And now is when true worshipers, are you a true worshiper? Shall worship the Father in spirit. Remember, that's their word spirit. See, God is spirit. He wants you to worship him in spirit. He gives you his word, which is his, his spirit. Worship is spirit. Glory to God. His voice is spirit. His presence is spirit. Fellowship with others is spirit. For the Father seeks such to worship him. 
God is spirit, and he must have those worship him in spirit and truth. What's that mean? With all their heart, according to the word. Believing and receiving the glory that he wants to present to us. Wow. We don't have to beg God for his presence. He's always running to us to give it to us. He has a greater need to manifest his presence to us than we have a need for it. And our need is infinitely great. All right. Oh, Jesus, you always say habath. You always say habath. Glory to God. You always say habath. Again, is a Hebrew name for God. It, it means numerous things. God of, uh, who is the head of angel armies. But it means one who is perched as an eagle to fight on our behalf. The name Sayobath, the Lord who is the Lord of hosts, is mentioned, I believe it's 244 times in the Old Testament. Obviously, it's, it's the most in the, con, in the context of prevalence. You see, when this name is revealed to you, you see the glory. When he comes to you in your greatest need, when there's no way out, when there's no provision except him, that's glorification. That's experiencing the glory. That's koinonia. Okay? That's koinonia. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure many of you can testify to this, but God wants to increase what we've experienced. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, there's so much on my heart right now. I, I, literally, I could share uh, so many, many miracles. Oh, Jesus. 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 You know, most of you know we have a, a center. I work with kids who have been trafficked and kids who have been abused in a, in a profound fashion. Can I tell you something? They're so traumatized. There's no way out. There's no way out. I, I, I was with a couple of kids and they had been traumatized through abuse in a profound fashion. And they couldn't talk. After the abuse, they lost all their ability to control their going to the bathroom. They couldn't talk. And you know what? I had two sessions. I could only have two sessions because they were going to be brought back into the, the foster agency. And I, I was with the, the grandma. And I said, Lord Jesus, these kids have been so harmed. And the Lord spoke to me. See, just what Jesus prayed. Keep them in the name so that oneness could be realized. I said, Lord, these kids aren't one with you. You're a God that causes little boys to speak. There's not a oneness with you in the context of Rapha, of Yahweh Rapha. They're traumatized. They're hurt. They're brokenhearted. And I said, say above, say above, say above. This is a true story. The name Sehabath, see, I saw the glory of his name through the word so many times when Israel is going to be destroyed. And he sent one angel in 2 Kings 19, and one angel killed 185,000 warriors that were going to kill them. Uh, Psalm 24, who is the king of glory? Who is the king of glory? We're talking about glory. It's Sehabath. 
heard I say about. And their voices came back. A smile came back to their faces. Their ability to be normal came back. Was it because of me? No. Someone says, you have great faith. Come on, tell you something. My faith is the faith of God that comes, but it's cultivated through seeing him. It's faith in him, in his name, in his heart, in his glory. It's faith by him. It has so little to do with me or anybody else that sees miracles. And it's obviously for you as much as it is for me. If I can do it, you can do it. If you can do it, I can do it. These boys are free today. I, I tell you, I, I talked to the, you know, the psychologist, the psychiatrist before, you know, we had two sessions with them. He said, Michael, he said, there's no way out for these kids. They will never, ever be normal. These kids are flourishing. Why? Because of the name of Sehabath. And see, the more you see, the more you experience. And the more you experience, the more you see. And the more you see, the more you experience. This is the paradigm of God. Now, I'm going to share something with you now that is really probably the cornerstone, the honestly, the highlight. I mean, we've got, I just gave you highlights. I mean, it. Caused me to run and shout and jump. But I want to share something with you now. Honestly, it's nothing short of ultra amazing. I've run out of words. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1, 4, his exceedingly magnificent and exceedingly precious promises. Go with me to 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. See, we see the glory of God. We enter in to having faith for it to manifest. But you still have to partake of God. And that's where a lot of people struggle because they feel disconnected even when they're connected. They feel their faith is weak even though they're strong because they see their giants. And, but see, I'm here to tell you something. The reason that the ten spies were so judged is because they said the giants are bigger than God and Caleb and Joshua said, no, God's bigger than the, the giants. Here's what they said. If God delights in us, he'll give us victory over the giants. Don't fear them. Their defenses have departed from them. If God's for us, it's going to be all right. If God delights in us. See, it's all about God delighting in you. See, when you see God delights in you, that's when you will run to him. And that's when you can partake of him. See, 2 Peter 1, 4. Well, there's so much there. I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to, to do something else with this. They sold the giants. See, in your humanness, I get it. Peter looked at the, the wind and the storm and the rain and he started to sink. In our humanness, we will look to the giants and the mountains and say, we, Lord, you know, we will get disillusioned. But I'm here to tell you something. I will never look to the giants by his grace and mercy. God's bringing you to a place that you, we can't look to the giants. You know why? Because he's so amazing. Our eyes 
are so fixed on Him, that, that we are so amazed by Him, we can't stop looking at Him. So even when the giants come, we say, okay, I see you. But wait a second, got to keep looking at Jesus. He is so amazing. He is so magnificent. He is so precious. He is so beautiful. See, my eyes, I, honestly, I can't stop thinking about Jesus. I can't stop meditating on Jesus. Because he's so glorious. Man, the first 100,000 years in heaven, you're just going to be, wow. I just want to look at him. So you see, when you do this, when you do what, I'm, what God's telling you to do and enter into the spirit of revelation, entering into sharing your weaknesses and, and issues and letting him perfect them, when you enter into his voice, you enter into his Shekinah glory, you enter in, man, to see above fighting for you. Man, like he did for those little kids, like he did all throughout the, 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 the Bible. That, that's the name that David swore by. Goliath came to him in the name of Dagon, his God. Goliath came in the name of Yahweh Sehabath, the Lord of hosts. Guess who won? Oh, Jesus. Right, let's go back now to 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Verse 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you, put your name in there, might be partakers of, of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Now if you get what I'm going to share with you. It will change your life forever. All of us at times. Because we feel disconnected. I've shared this newer times. I work with almost every day. People with four stage cancer. I, I was at a meeting. And a, a pastor's wife came forth. And she loved God. She's an amazing woman of God. She had four stage cancer. Fighting it. And, uh, man, the presence of God came to her, but she called me up later uh, that night and said, I feel so disconnected. I said, the presence came to you. She said, I feel so disconnected. And I can understand the pain, the giant of pain. I said, you're connected. She said, how do I know it? I don't feel it. It doesn't look like it. I says, because you have koinonia with the Father. You have koinonia with the Son. You have koinonia with the Holy Spirit. You are one with Trinity. You're made a little lower than Elohim, crowned with glory, honor, and dominion. Let's loose what that crown represents. Let's loose the glory of God. Let's lose the honor of God. He honors you because you're his child, his very image. Let's enter into loosening his delight, his dominion. Let's enter in to the truth of connection. Glory to Jesus. But here's what's so exciting. As I told her and I tell everybody else, whether it's in the need to partake of healing Victory over familiar sin, fruitfulness in evangelism, or healing the brokenhearted, to partake of intimacy with the Father, to enter into his Father heart, to partake of these things. Koinonia, change 
for him perfecting the issues we have. Revelation, his voice, his presence. Let's partake. And, and so many times I say, it's so, how do I partake? It's so hard. Here's why I want to make it easy for you. God wants to make it easy for you. I'm just trying to speak what he's, he was wanting you to hear. The word for partake in the Greek, you know what the word for partake is? It's koinonia. Just like the word metamorpho can mean transformation, transfiguration, or translation. The word koinonia can mean intimate communion with God. Or it can mean partaking of God. Why are they synonymous? Why are they from the same word? Because it's all rooted in intimacy. You can partake of what's in the Father's heart. Through the hand of faith, through the words of your mouth. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. She heard of Jesus. She had an incurable situation. Man, she bled. She didn't stop bleeding for years from the inward parts out, from her private parts out. For years. She was unclean. She stunk. She's dying. She heard of Jesus. And she said. So she, when she heard of Jesus, she received it by grace. God enabled her to receive who Jesus is. And then she said, she said, if I just touch his garment. See, his garment was filled with the glory of God because he had been transfigured over and over again. Just like Paul's uh, napkins and aprons were filled with the glory. But more so. Peter's shadow, more, but more so. She said, if I just touch him, if I touch just his garment, Ah, we'll be whole. Remember, we're back to John 17, 23. He said, through oneness, I'll make you perfect. I'll make you whole. That word perfect means whole. I'll make you whole. Uh, see, she said, if, see, see, when she touched him, she was now one with him. And when you're one with him, what's in him flows into you. And the virtue the virtue, the healing virtue of Jesus, which is one of the primary virtues of that which he consists of, went into her. He said, who touched me? The, the, the apostles said, are you kidding me? There's thousands touching you. We're in a you know, throng. It's like, really? He said, virtue's gone out of me. Glory's gone out of me. See, we're called the virtue and glory. I want you to know something. You can partake, and I can partake of the Father's heart. I can partake of him. I can partake of his healing virtue through the hand of faith, through the words of my mouth, by saying, Father, I believe that I'm a joint heir because of Jesus with Jesus to the virtue within you. And I'll make a withdrawal now by faith through the name of Jesus by saying, I believe I'm healed. And I believe on the basis of that confession, the Holy Spirit has manifested what I've spoken. I believe, therefore I've spoken. What the mouth confession is made, 
unto salvation. What's the word confession mean in the Greek? It's homologos. It's saying the same thing that the word says. He died to give you his word. The word is him. It's saying the same thing that his word says. It's seeing what you see, the glory that you see through the word. The entrance of his word gives light to the eyes of your spirit. It's saying what the mind of your spirit knows by the spirit of revelation. And the touching him. Partaking of him. Through your touch. Through the words of your mouth. And his virtue flows. The virtue flow. It's what we live for. It's what we live by. The virtue of passion for Jesus. The virtue of holiness to overcome sin. The virtue of intimacy where we cry, Abba, Father. The virtue of physical wholeness and healing whereby we live. The virtue of doing the will of God, which we're going to talk about in a minute, doing the works that he did. Listen to me. You are called by grace. You have koinonia intimacy. You are one with the Father, even as the Father is one with Jesus. You are one with Jesus, even as Jesus is one with the Father, even as the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus, even as Jesus loves you as much as he loves the Father, even as the Spirit of God is one with your spirit. By grace, you are one with him. You have koinonia through oneness, by grace. And you see, the ability to partake of God is a gift. It's not something you speak and speak and speak and speak and say, if I spoke a thousand times, I'm strong enough to partake. And if I do this, this, and this, I'm worthy enough to partake. And if I do this, this, and this, and then it might happen. It's a gift. Intimacy with God is a gift. Being a joint heir with Jesus under his heart, being your inheritance is a gift. The ability to partake of God's heart, whatever virtue you need, might be discipline, it might be more love, forgiveness, whatever it is, healing. It's a gift to partake of it and what you partake of, even his heart, is a gift as well. I want to get to something else, but I, I can't. I, I want to get to the reality that when you experience koinonia with God, through what I'm telling you, these ways of revelation and author and perfecter of your faith and Shekinah glory and the voice and say above, it enables you then to partake of his heart. And, and then lastly, it enables you to have him partake of your heart, to partake of your worship, your obedience, your passion. Oh, glory to God. And I was going to get into that, but the Lord checks me. And I, I just, in our last minutes, I have to accentuate this part by the Holy Ghost. The devil makes, he minimizes, here's what the devil does. He minimizes the gift 
and magnifies our part to the point where you have to be a super saint to partake, which is a lie. We need to magnify his heart, to magnify Christ in us, and push the easy button so we can be at rest and say, Lord, when I said I accept you as my Savior and Lord, you took out a heart of evil and replaced it with your own image. And now when I speak out of koinonia, I receive out of koinonia. The gift is given. It is not fighting God to take the gift, begging God to get the gift. It is receiving. Because you see, daily, you partake of his face, his beauty, his love, his awesomeness, his presence, his voice, his revelation. And out of that, you partake of the virtue that you need. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. The centurion who Jesus said his faith is great. He said, my, my servant is tormented grievously. He said, just speak the word. He'll be healed. He spoke, speak the word. See, he spoke to Jesus. Just do that. And Jesus did. My heart is crying out. God's heart is crying out. Enter into koinonia with me. As my word says. Through my blood is a gift. By my grace, through my spirit, who gives you the passion, that gives you the hunger, who causes you to see the glory and then enter into the glory. Be filled with me. Be filled with the love of God. And then out of this faith, faith in me, faith that came by me through you partaking of me. Now just partake of what you need of my heart. You partake of my revelation. My perfecting your weaknesses. My presence, my voice. My fighting for you. Now just partake of the answer that you need. Father, right now, by the Holy Ghost, According to 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, I lose the spirit of koinonia. Lord, you said we can partake of you easily because, Lord, your revelation is a gift. Your presence is a gift. Your perfecting us is a gift. Your voice is a gift. And Lord Jesus, this gift causes faith in you to receive the gift of all the virtues within you that cover our case. And Father, herein, we give you glory. We say amazing grace. We quote Ephesians 2 and says that even as you have made us Sit with you, and even as you have caused us to die with you, 
even as you became us so we could become you in your resurrection. That now, even as we're seated in you in Christ, so that you might, oh, show us and cause us to enter into receiving of your grace, your virtue, your very being, your heart. Let it be lavished upon us. Let it be lavished upon us. Even as this is what gives you the greatest joy. And Father, then, let us lavish upon you all that is within us in worship, in obedience, in loving you. And let this paradigm be cyclical, being loved by you and loving you, experiencing your glory, glorified of you, so we can truly glorify you. We worship you. We worship you, Father. We worship you for your need to love us and confess to you that in your need, seeing your need to love us, we can receive of you. You're the action and our reaction is just to say, Lord, help me to love you even more even as you're worthy. Let me love you. Let me lavish my love upon you, even as you has lavished your love upon me to the glory of your name.